title of today's Dharma talk is Why, How, What. Is that right? Why, How, What. Why, How, What. So those are three different kinds of questions we can have about any given situation. Why is that happening? How do I do that? What is that? So I like to uh, talk about these in different ways, but I thought I would line them up in this particular talk and say that uh, you've heard me give what I say the 90-10 rule is uh, uh, listen uh, 90% of the time, talk 10. Really good approach to take to any situation, especially relationship dynamics. If you just bear that in mind, you may not do it exactly that, but it will allow you to help you to reduce maybe the amount of time you spend talking, expressing, expressing, expressing. Quite often, expression, uh, the boundary between expressing yourself uh, in terms of communicating with someone and just getting rid of negative feelings. We, sometimes that boundary is not seen. It might be seen by the person who's being, shall we say, dumped on or spat on, retaliated towards. So 90-10 can be applied here. We could say 10%, or maybe even 5% could be why. You could say that. You could say why a little bit. Why? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? But it should be uh, what? What is this? You say, as I've said so many times, if you say why, you you are looking for some kind of a response to the why. Then, of course, that takes us on this quite often circular situation. Well, uh, and I don't mean just this; it always happens this way. But it's quite often it's just why because why because why is this because of that well, why is that because of that, and it gives us the illusion. Especially ego likes that kind of approach because then it's it gets to get. Uh, dizzy. <clears throat> similar, very similar with how. How can I, how should I, how, sh how should this, how can I deal with, how can I relate with, how can I work with this? A little bit of that. I quite often get those questions. How do you work with this? How do you work? But if you say what, everything comes to a halt because it is being somewhat put on the spot. It is a spot. It's that. What is that? If it comes, the word comes back, well, it's a computer. Then you could say, well, well, what is a computer? And then something else might come back. And then you would say, well, what is that? You can always say what to anything that arises. And it, uh, you could say, automatically reduces and reduces and reduces to its uh, most elementary or subtle elements. But if you say why, then you're just inviting delusion, confusion, and more desire. And I'm saying a small percentage, 5 or 10% to the why, and 5 or 10% to the how. But the majority of that should be, what is it? You can go, you spend a lot of time as a meditator, as someone who is interested in seeing the truth for themselves, then you, the what question will take you a long way. If you just sit down on the cushion for a few moments and say, what is this? probably not much is going to be forthcoming. 
But you can continue to say that and be insured, and I rarely use that word, be insured that what's coming back is what you need to see at any, any given time. Why is going to take you in a, a loop because the why is tied up with uh, too many causes and conditions that uh, don't necessarily lead to uh, what it is that you would be the most helpful to you. Like the Buddha said, why is there suffering? Cause of desire. So we don't really have to do too much beyond that, maybe a little bit. You, you could say, what is desire? I'm not going to leave. I'm feeling a little bit sick, but uh, I'm going to stay here anyway. So if you have questions, it might be helpful to me. Yes. Um, when we say, what is this? Who are we asking? When we say what? What is this? And we want to, we're genuinely curious, who are we asking? You're actually addressing the perception. You're, you're taking the, the assumption that perceptions involve a subject and an object. So you're starting out from square one. You see something as an object. Because you're, you have an imputed subject and an imputed object. You say, what is that? And then it will, depending on the, your, your uh, relationship to awareness practice and to your particular, uh, call it a position, uh, what you need to know will be revealed on some level. Probably not in a way that you can maybe tell someone else about that. But what is this? Uh, eventually, what will happen is it's just perception. Or eventually what will happen is it's not separate. Uh, the personal way of experiencing that is you're looking at yourself. You're, insofar as there's a, any identity at all, There's it's just you. Not in a personal egocentric kind of me, me, me and my stuff. I'm the most important uh, uh, president there's ever been. I'm not saying that kind of uh, self-centeredness. But, uh, but something that understands a deeper level of, of identity called not separate yes when you're asking what something is and the response that comes up is that i don't know how do you go deeper into that well there's a you could just hang out with that you could also say uh who doesn't know go into the identity part of it if you say what is that then then something comes back like you said and you could say you go into the who part of it. Who is that? And if some, something comes back, me comes back, you can say, who is that? You could keep it as very basic as possible. It seems to take a lot of sitting meditation in order to reduce things down to just the fundamental uh, reception that's happening there. Will questions cease? Yes, they cease. It won't be any, there will be no fanfare, but they, they cease. Does curiosity cease? Um, uh, cu curiosity uh, doesn't cease, but it doesn't have a, there's no demand behind it. Like you're curious about something. Um, it would be like you're here and you hear uh, a bunch of noise in the other room. That's it. Curious about it, but you wouldn't get up unless it sounded threatening or dangerous. Or if you heard, say, if you heard something fall, you may get up, you may not. If someone, if you know someone is, uh, if there's an eight-year-old in the other in the other room, you're probably going to go in there. But if if not, you it may be just uh, it's it's situational. It's so so situational that 
everything would be uh, dependent on your reception of what that was and your immediate interpretation of it. So it would be, wouldn't be much analysis going on, particularly. You said when we ask why, we want a response. It seems like if we ask what, we also anticipate a response. We do. What is the difference between the response that's elicited from those two questions? The why, as we go along, is less likely to be uh, uh, deceptive because it's, it's so direct as what. Whereas why, what, you can stay right with what you're questioning. But if you say why, if any kind of little twinkling happens off to one side, we get seduced into going in that direction. Well, it's because of this and this and this or this and this. Even the teachings do that. Why is there suffering? Because of desire. We immediately leave the suffering for the explanation. And then why is there desire? We want things to be different than they are. So we desire something else, else, else. As you know, as we all know, the consciousness is very, very subtle. When we go down into any area that's so subtle that, that you can even see that you're not even sure who's aware of what. You spend much time looking at the wall, things become from the point of view of ego, become more and more cloudy, more difficult, more incomprehensible, or because ego wants nuts and bolts. It wants proof that it's stable, that it's doing something, that it's accomplishing something, that it's, it's very materialistic and albeit subtle results. Yes? Is when we ask why, it seems like the answer might be a bit more fabricated. When we ask what, is, is the answer still some sort of fabrication? Well, there could be, but you would be, since you're right there with it, rather than going on a journey away from the question, you're still there with the, with what? With the with inquiry. What is that? What is this? What is this feeling? You'll, you'll notice that you actually uh, can access deeper layers of any given thing by saying that. You may not be able to explain them to anyone, you may not be able to turn it into words, whereas a, a why because, a because usually you can come up with some kind of a, a, a more shallow level of understanding that, that, and, and that tends to protect the self-centeredness of the ego. Whereas what, uh, you're just left with, what, what is this? You're actually right at the, uh, this is the way you would work with a Dharma gate. You know, when, the Dharma, when, that, when that approaches, if you, it's a Dharma gate. So what is that? Rather than why, which tends to uh, look for blame or look for cause and effect or buy into the lower level of, of the understanding of truth, which is, of course, uh, uh, Sambhriti Satya, or relative truth. The relative idea is very complicated and very, you know, it's the 10,000 things. Whereas what... Uh, you're actually, there's a duality is going on there, but the, the quality of the inquiry is very, very definite. Uh, and it's possible to see, to understand, to uh, perceive no separation or perceive perception only. I think I gave a talk not too long ago about perceive the perception, something like that. Some kind of strange title that was particularly confusing. <clears throat> Can we look at a why question with a what? You could. Probably wouldn't be very funny. <coughs> what would be funny? Maybe a joke. <laughs>
be funny. So it wouldn't be wouldn't be all that interesting. It might take you somewhere, but it's we're getting a little bit too kind of strategic about the whole thing based on relative truth. Just keep it very simple. What is this? And uh, the not knowing that arises is is uh, um, very um, it's like baby wisdom. It's like very very. It's just this, but we don't get any payoff from it, so we abandon that and go back into why. But if on the spiritual path, if you have a, uh, the, the three jewels and you have the teachings and you have a teaching situation and you have the encouragement of someone to say, keep going, keep looking at this, but don't, don't abandon the why questions, but just be aware of them. And like using that percentage, spend about 80% of your time saying, what is this? When you have an intense feeling, emotion about anything that automatically comes up or can automatically come up with, why am I so jealous? Why do I get? Why do I keep getting mad at Jim, Ed, Mary, Joan? Why do I keep? Why does that keep happening? They haven't done anything, but I just don't I don't like it. Then what? What is that? It's not about them. Uh, and uh, just that they're triggering something. But go into what what it is. With, what is this? What is this feeling that comes up? And just a, it's kind of a it's kind of a witnessing quality, but also uh, investigating. Just investigation. As soon as you, that's why I sometimes say uh, opinions, uh, ideas, concepts, conclusions are, you know, that's the end of the investigation. As soon as you come to a conclusion about anything, albeit the conclusion having lots of relative support for it being relatively true. Like it is relatively true if this person uh, gets upset with that person and murders them to make it extreme. It's relatively true that we have a victim and a murderer, but ultimately... Nothing happened there. And until that's understood, then we'll keep laboring with right and wrong and blame. And it's just a, our world is just full of complete uh, uh, craziness from the point of view of blame, praise and blame, praise and blame. How do the how questions work or when would those be appropriate? How can I work with this would be... Uh, you know, then this is a time when, you, uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't use that. People ask me that all the time. They're having this kind of, how can I work with this? How can I, and I would say, uh, uh, trying to find out what it is rather than uh, some kind of strategy for avoiding it or pacifying it. Although pacification may sometimes be needed. Um, sometimes we have to deliberately step into situations that we would rather not. So sometimes we have to step in here and sit down and look at the wall. How many times do I, I encourage everyone here, probably encouraged everyone here face to face, sit more. So how, how do you work with this? Train your mind. How do you train your mind? Sit down, hold still and watch the way in which it's not trained. Watch the way in which it keeps going over here and over there and looking here and looking there. It keeps snooping around, looking for some kind of evidence that some someone's been harmed or or evidence that we're doing better. That's a big waste of time. There isn't anyone to get better. What you're looking for, you already are. I'm sorry if that's confusing for you. Not really. I'm sorry at all. Because I know you're going to have to go through that. I know you'll have to go through that. What you're looking for is already the case. And there may be a lot of underbrush and, and uh, cobwebs and everything that you may have to deal with or go through or apparently go through in order to, to see that. It's not a conclusion, though. 
It's a realization. And you, when you realize it, you just realize you're in a room. You just realize nothing else needs to occur. And it is even, has been said, and I'm saying that's not even an occurrence itself. Is the, um, when we're asking a what question, is it those cobwebs or obstructions that we might see? Yes, you will see them in a, in a, in the way in which you're able to relative, uh, able to perceive them as, uh, just, as just that. And then what you do with that is not much. If, if you do anything with it, then you watch yourself deal with that as an apparent other thing. That's why it's... Mm -hmm. So do we, then we ask what of that? You, you might. Continue. You could say what, 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 just January, February, what, March, what, 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 April, what, 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 right up to my birthday. And then you stop doing that. You go buy me a present. <laughs> Come back, you give it to me. And then the next day, what, 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 what? So yes. we get your birthday off. <laughs> <laughs> off from what? <laughs> <laughs> what should we buy him? <laughs> yeah, what, 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 what should we, what should you buy me? Uh, lemon meringue pie. <laughs> <laughs> Or just, she doesn't charge much. <laughs> Should what be followed by is this? Because there's lots, it could be like, what should I do? Type of thing. Um, yeah. So, I've kind of covered that. I say don't do anything unless you have to. So, and if you just don't do anything unless you have to, then you'll notice the options come up and you don't have to do that. Do you have to do that? No. Do I have to do that? Do I have to do that? Do I... You don't have to do anything. And, and of course, I'm not saying you shouldn't brush your teeth or you know, get your oil changed in your car, very pragmatic things. But quite often it's, should I do that or do this or, you know, some kind of thing that's going to lead into more problems that get more complicated. Sometimes when it seems like when we're really stuck and we need, we feel like we need help to stay looking. What is this? Mm -hmm. and, you know, in our chance, we do the protection prayer and the bodhisattva prayer. And we're asking for help. Mm -hmm. Do we ever ask in this tradition? Is it helpful to ask for help? Ask me for help. People do it all the time. People so ask you for help. Sitting on your cushion and you're, you know, it isn't a. You're just sitting there. Mm -hmm. You know, I could stop sitting and call you and say, hey, but do you ever visualize asking for help or do you keep it more? There's uh, kinds of uh, supplication. White Tara is a supplication. White Tara, Green Tara, Chenrezi, and all the other uh, Guru Yoga is a supplication. Just a way of extending yourself to, you know, and asking for help. So, But it's not like it's not like it's an other it's not like some, it's not a theistic approach for something else. Uh, for instance, in White Tara, you actually generate the, that wisdom deity yourself out of your own heart, out of your own being, out of your consciousness. You present that as, and exteriorize that, and then you talk to it. When I say it, you talk to yourself. O Tara, give me wisdom, give me long life, give me help. Om Tari 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 Mamri Pranishana Pushtim Kriyesa, which you've done 
a lot of those. So what is that? It's just a way of working with that kind of energy in a very simple, almost mechanical, but not quite. Almost, but not quite. <clears throat> so uh, what is the outcome of that? That's uh, um, to ask what is the outcome of that is a misunderstanding of the spiritual path from this point of view. It's just something you do. You're, you're kind of dealing with the whole idea of outcomes and the whole idea of results and the whole idea of success. This doesn't mean that someone starting out doing that isn't going to look for some kind of results, but that's also an awareness practice. You said asking what addresses the perception. What does it mean to address the perception? So just you're, you're perceiving something, I'm perceiving a table with a computer on it, I'm perceiving people, I say, what is this? There's a perception coming in through sound, smell, taste, touch, seeing. What? What is this? More? I guess, could you say more about what it means to address perception, what, the, what that is, what we're doing when we address perception? When you say you're perceiving, you're seeing anything that's there, the wall, if you're sitting, you say, what is this? Uh, the, what it is, is perception. But you're perceiving something, so it may come back, it's perception. I'm perceiving a wall, or you could say it's a wall, or it's a sound, or it's a, a train, or a, a squirrel or it's someone in the other room making noise, but it's perception. And what is it other than that? Nothing other than that. It's perception only, yes. How do you, um, when I ask what is this, it feels like I'm asking about an object. So is there, what is it to see the perception as the object, or where is perception when it appears to be an object? When the perceiver and the object are not separate anymore, then it's just perception only. It's called non-duality, and it's true in many spiritual traditions. The theistic ones call it merging with God or being one with God or Christ consciousness. But we say it's just perception only. We don't get too fancy about it. Unless we're doing white Tara practice, and then we have our fancy projection of white Tara as a, a wisdom uh, uh, deity, deity yoga. But it's just perception only, then it's very simple. It's just a perception. There isn't anything extra. There's nothing else. Is seeing the subject and object is not separate, is that more than seeing them simultaneously? I, I think it's a little bit more than that. It's uh, seeing them simultaneously is, a, is awareness, and that's happening where I'm here, I'm aware of me as the Perceiver, I'm aware of what I'm perceiving and see them at the same time. But if they're, uh, if we're, if we're separating them out in some way, it seems to be necessary to, to see the. It's like I sometimes say, it's in the middle. It's in between. It's in between that and this, so to speak. To use a relative a seeing, we're here and we see, we see that, but we also see that the perceiver and what is being perceived are not separate. It's perception, perception only. Some of the identity with the body tends to make it challenging for us at the same time that that's actually the key to it, is seeing that there, there's both a body and not a body, just like when it's said in the teachings 
uh, unborn, unceasing with a nature like the sky, that you're, who you are is like, doesn't actually, who you actually are doesn't come into the existence as a body does. Bodies come and go, but who you are doesn't do much. Is it um, helpful to ask in a general sense, what is this, or should it be more specific? Either way. It depends on the situation. You could say, what is, what is this? Everything. What is the world? What is what is this apparent otherness that, that is all over the place, that is so uh, amazingly big contrast? Even Trungpa Rinpoche talked about seeing yourself as a little grain of dust or a grain of sand. There's not much there, Juju. <clears throat> if we are addressing the perception when we ask a what question, what are we addressing when we ask a why question? Uh, the why question, uh, we're addressing the, the the cause and effect matrix. The whole, this happens and then that happens, this pushes on that, makes that fall, and then this comes up, and then we put water on the plant, the plant grows, and so we're, we're addressing the the whole complex, and uh, which we, which the ego mind is in love with or in hate with, and so we're we're addressing, we're taking our mind off on a journey of, of why's and why because why because why because. Whereas when we do what, it's just that, and that may have layers to it. Just like if you have intense anger about something, or if you have maybe jealousy or any kind of strong feeling that is, feels like it was triggered or caused might even be blaming someone for it. And, and in a relative sense, there might be some truth to that. It makes it easier to do if somebody actually did murder somebody else. But the fundamental deep nature of the situation is, is, not, uh, is not that, uh, as they say, cut and dried. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, profound and vast, but the only way you're going to have access to that is to look at the situation itself, whatever that may be, and look at it in a, as deep a way as possible, so you can see that it's that it uh, what it fundamentally is transcends its relativity. The relativity is there is obvious, black and white. This caused that. That happened, and that happened. This happened here, and pushed that over over here. We can see that, but you can't have one without the other one. Just like you can't have just isn't going to explain the, the nature of reality to you, but it will give you a little bit of an idea. How much of a, an illusion is going on? You can't have a murderer without a victim. You can't you can't have one without the other. So they're 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 a part of each other. You can't have night without day. You can't you could wouldn't know there were, there was such a thing as light without darkness. You you could say well, yeah, it's kind of a no brainer. But look deeply into that relativity. To look deeply into that is what it means to say what rather than just say well that's just relative. That's just cause and effect. I need to find out why that thing caused that thing. I need to go into why. If you do that, um, we'll see in about uh, three or four millennium, because it's going to, even that is not going to take you through a whole thing. There's an endless journey that the ego mind is doing lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Then again, as I've said so many times, and I don't mean to be cute about this, but I'm saying I don't necessarily believe in more lifetimes. Yes, David. What questions uh, reduce uh, often you say include? How does the include work with the what that reduces? When you say what, then whatever shows up, that's it. You don't separate. Well, I don't want that part. 
uh, you would you would include. And if, and if your mind or your consciousness or your perception is ready to do this, if your own personal dynamic is ready, then you won't see anything to say what to, because there, nothing will be separate anymore. As long as there's a separation, you're going to say what to someone who sees no separation. They don't say what. That's uh, it's called uh, uh, realization. There's no more journey. It's a journey without goal. What, if there's a journey without goal, well, where are you going to go? This is a journey to, without goal does not mean that a person is going around without knowing where to go. They're not going anywhere. It's Carl. Can you ask what too much? I, I follow a little bit what you're saying. I, I think uh, you could, if there's no uh, awareness practice, if there's no sitting down and stretching the awareness and sitting down and uh, endeavoring to just see what is very, very simple, moment by moment by moment. If you're not doing that, then maybe it could be. But if you're doing that practice, then what is probably not going to happen more than it needs to. Shinshu. It seems that if we ask a why question, we're somehow avoiding what it is we need to see. Can asking a what question also be avoiding? Maybe. It's possible. Anything is, is possible. How the mental uh, dynamic that's going on could be doing that. That even the why question is not a problem as long as you're really aware that's what you're doing. It's always about awareness. It's never never about being oh finally all I ask is what questions. See how I look. What? I thought it was fun. So a lot depends on, on the, the awareness that is actually including that entire situation. So there could be, you could be saying why a lot or going around in circles a lot, but there's a lot of awareness around that. You're watching that movement. As I say, when I, the way I teach meditation, uh, very simply, if I, I can be teach someone uh, um, how to meditate in a, in a portion of a second, if they'll listen, sit down, hold still, watch what moves. And I was not taught that. That I worked in the call, I was taught to sit down, so I got even less help. Yes. I talked about other practices that are more upfront about asking for help. How do we relate with help with just sitting? I think in, in, in our situation, there might be other ways of handling this, but in our situation here, I think we have the we have a strong sangha, which you're a member of. We have a a teacher, we have a teaching that we spend a lot of time on conceptual teachings that have been coming down through the centuries. So I think there's a lot going on there that, you know, that is not just uh, isolating someone. They're, all they're doing is saying, what, 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 and they never ask for any help. You ask for help from me, we talk. You interact with the Sangha, who are also people who are studying and practicing together, which <laughs> is uh, uh, helpful in different ways. So I'm not sure what. I probably haven't covered your answering your question in the, in the way in which you're in which you're asking it. Perhaps you could ask me again in another way. Further question. Wanda and I were talking about a story this morning, and I don't know how to ask it without the context of the story. Okay. Well, yeah, sure. So the Larry Nassar thing, the doctor, the sports doctor from Michigan State. Who was molesting yeah. all the students? Yes. There, you know, we're talking about blame and stuff, and how it's so the responsibility is vast because 
there were parents that were right in the room with some of the activities and didn't see it. And there was interviewing one woman who was in the room and she did, she was like very emotional. And she said, she had a question of like, what is this or what is going on? But then she's conditioned by the culture that, oh, this is the greatest doctor. Nobody else has a trouble. And then without even knowing, she became unconscious, it seems. So when we ask what, and we're so conditioned to, without even knowing it, oh, we jump to conclusions. How can we stay open when we're off the cushion asking? Spend a lot of time on the cushion. I I don't know of another way. I've experienced my own, I'm not going to go into stories about it, but I've, I've been able to be more and more aware of how my own ignoring has caused problems by actually... We, we really don't want, something as painful or difficult, we, if we sense it, sometimes we'll start to turn away from it before we've even said what it is, looked at what it is. We don't, we don't have, it takes a lot of courage to say what. And uh, a lot of what's happening in our society, whether it's that area or the political area and uh, around the world and everything is not because of a couple of people have done a couple of things or somebody's to blame, including that person. Not that that person shouldn't be dealt with, but locking him up is just crazy. It's, it's just more craziness that what well, I'm not saying you should be let loose on the society, but we should find out what's going on with this person who is doing it. So there's no inquiry. I don't know if there's any, you know, even a, some kind of psychological profile about the person of what, what caused that to happen. How could he do that to actually go in and maybe look at that and look at the deep causes? What was done to him when he was four years old? I mean, sometimes that's mentioned a little bit, and I'm not <laughs> taking anybody off the hook for anything. He was a, uh, as they say, he was kind of a monster, but you know, there's lots of monsters that go in the uh, running around in circles here. But we need to really go in and look deeply and all help each other rather than just blame and accuse and kill people and lock them up and just be totally childish about the whole blame situation rather than say, well, how, how, how can we make this so, so that we're so clear about this, this couldn't happen anymore? Just like people who do that rather than taking, bring them together and talk to them about it, see if there isn't some way to, to work with that. It, it wasn't done. Those, those young people weren't believed. Yes. So, I mean, that's the perfect example. You know, let's just say the mom, her, we're all responsible. So it goes on and he's maybe like, oh, yeah, I did this. And they're right there. And he keeps going. So, I mean, it's everybody's everybody's to blame as much as everybody else. Yeah. But if we can, if, you know, it seems like we're so ready to, without even knowing it, jump to conclusions when we say, what is this? Then we're all in the mix together. Oh. That's why I say don't conclude. Conclusions, opinions, ideas, they're traps. They're traps for your wisdom mind. You don't need to to know something in the form of this is true and this is untrue. Relative truth is uh, very deceptive in that way. Good, good. Talk more about that if you want to. We can go further into it. So, so, you know, in this practice, we start to realize that how it appears is related to our conditioning and in that in any question of what if there's an uncomfortable situation what is this and then there's the status quo that's easy to slip into but you can't 
you you don't know what it is and you're in a situation of who knows what to do what do you do train your mind train your mind so that you're clear uh, you know if you're you could be clear and if you're a room full of people who are not clear probably not going to do too well because you will be what voted down or something but that does that shouldn't stop you from being clear you need to be the one who's clear about this that clear doesn't mean that you know you know how to act on a huge uh, leviathan of, of misunderstanding, uh, confusion, aggression, passion, aggression, ignorance, and total craziness that is moving through society and has been since before any of us here were born. It's been going on for since beginningless time. Insane craziness, along with incredibly intelligent. Uh, human beings are very intelligent, but it gets it gets turned within. It becomes difficult. So we start what start where you're at. Start with your own mind. Uh, transcend this craziness yourself, rather than take your unexamined mind and your confused mind and your opinionated mind out and try to grab a hold of you know some part of this huge thing and try to make it turn around or straighten up or not be so crazy. This is a, we run into it all the time. Just like the giving a giving a talk to a lot of people who have lots of credentials and lots of intelligence and lots of training. If they haven't trained their mind, it doesn't matter how much they know or how smart they are, or how analytical they are, or how many big words they know, or what they're able to say about any given thing. We have to we have to train our minds the way it looks here, and just like with the whole thing with that uh, doctor it's the difficult thing is not only all the people that he affected but that there was no there's no way of because that would not break down because of the presumption that doctors know best and he's a doctor so you can't interfere can't be questioned you can't question the doctor this quite also happened has happened in the past with with priests you know not only in this tradition but in other traditions where they're kind of an authority and some people are use that authority to hide out and um, satisfy their uh, cravings, whatever they may be. So it needs to open up somehow. And how do we, how do we open up? Train your mind. Start with your own, start by opening this up. Uh, yeah, good idea. Probably not going to sell too well. It's not, not particularly a marketable uh, thing to do. What's more marketable is uh, train your mind so you can be peaceful. So you can. How many people are feeling peaceful? You know, uh, you know that kind of. You know, here uh, look look at all the people that have that thinks this teaching or that teacher is so wonderful or so great. It's all over the place. It's all over the internet. If they find out if you just mention the word meditation, you'll see all kinds of advertisements about meditation, trying to get you to go somewhere uh, where there's a big retreat going on where everybody's really happy blissed out and so peaceful questions are good if you have any more yes sir is there a difference between awareness and intuition uh intuition is a uh, is a um, a more relative and, and you could say just a, by way of talking about a lower level uh, more conditioned more relative way uh, that the mind works about i think that's that's true or that's true. It seems like this is, you know, there's kind of a, you're intuiting or you're, you're 
somehow understanding something without particular logic, maybe. Uh, you just think something is true and you're not, you don't have no proof and so on. But awareness doesn't do anything. Awareness isn't anybody. And the way I talk, when I use the word awareness, I'm basically talking about wisdom, which is a fancy word for awareness. But it's the awareness that doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, include. That's a lower level of understanding of awareness. That's the practice area. That's the path quality of include, include, include. But at some point, there's no point including something you're not separate from. The realization of not no separation has to be total. And it's so total that it goes both ways. It comes back this way. Nothing has happened. It goes out that way. Everything has happened. Not two. The not two-ness is the ego is frightening because it cannot get a foothold anywhere. So ego doesn't want to deal with that. But then when the awareness of the wisdom mind see there isn't anybody, sees that there isn't anybody, that there's just this, this is liberation. And it's it's just, it's uh, all the way down, all the way up. It's liberation. There isn't anybody left. It wouldn't make any difference if you lived or died. Other than, you know, it might be painful to die. It might be painful to live. A question from Sheldon down in Union City. Yes, Sheldon. If we only don't know, then where would questions come from? Well, you probably wouldn't have any. Wouldn't have any. Wouldn't have any. <laughs> any questions? What was the question? Are we at the end of our... Any questions before we close? Is there the time to close? Or I don't know. Do Oriyoki. Oriyoki? Is that where you eat with those sticks and things? Or have a bowl? Okay, thank you so much.